fancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. The other day, I was waiting for my great-granddaughter to get out of school. I listened to one of the early Wild West showdown shows. The one where I visited with Alex Card, the actor, and Arthur. Even as I listened to the show, I could hardly believe I was talking with a real movie star. And one of my favorite movie stars at that. I never thought I'd ever do something like that. And that was just the beginning of this fantastic journey that I'm traveling. I've had the pleasure of visiting with authors, singers, pilots, and folks in all walks of life. Some of these folks have been very successful with sharing their talent while others are just beginning that journey. I'd hope that the Wild West Showdown has given them a little boost up that ladder of success. However, in this old cowboy's opinion, each and every one of our guests is already a success. A lot of you have been asking how my wife is doing after her stay in the hospital. I appreciate so much you asking about her. She's home now, but she's still recuperating. It looks to be a long while before she's 100%. Now let's listen to some country music. This is Red Jenkins singing, She Still Looks Good in a Honky Tonk. She came through those swinging doors Looking like an angel And I was there to listen to the band And when those Texas fiddles played I couldn't wait to hold her So I reached out and took her by the hand We danced and held each other then we talk the night away The magic of our love was like song Well, all these years have come and gone And we're still here together Sometimes we still party all night long And she still looks good in a honky tonk she can stand the smoke and whiskey for a while Yeah, she still looks good in a honky-tonk And the atmosphere don't seem to change her style Change her style. 
And all the atmosphere don't seem to change her style Thanks so much, Red. That was a real good one. As the economy of the United States expanded and immigrants moved into the country, demand grew for new land and resources to feed the growing economy. Food, timber, fur, minerals, and so forth drove a dramatic expansion west where pioneers farmed, mined, constructed, and hunted to provide the many resources needed. The migration of pioneers had pushed the American frontier to the Mississippi Valley by the 1830s. Traders, explorers, and missionaries who traveled further west described fertile valleys, great forests, and abundant farming, mining, and hunting opportunities in the Oregon, California, Missouri frontiers, and other western regions west of the Mississippi. From the 1840s to the 1860s, more than 300,000 pioneers crossed the plains and mountains of the west along various routes such as the Oregon and Santa Fe trails. The California Gold Rush, which began on January the 24th, 1848, when gold was discovered by James W. Marshall at Sutter's Mill in California. Soon the discovery of other minerals, such as silver, lead, nickel, and iron ore, added the frenzy of people moving west to make their fortune. Pioneers traveling west across hundreds and thousands of miles needed supplies, guides, and protection to help them make the often treacherous journey. Wagon trains were formed to allow groups to reduce the dangers associated with the long journey west. Wagon trains gave pioneers the advantage of strength in numbers along with a mobile fort capacity when wagons were circled tightly together for protection against hostile Native Americans. Roving criminal games and wild animals. One of the most popular wagons to be used by pioneers was the Conestoga wagon. This sturdy wagon was invented by Pennsylvania Dutch immigrants in the Conestoga Valley. These wagons moved freight and people westward over the Allegheny Mountains to the far west from the 1770s through the mid-1800s. These popular wagons were often referred to as the camels of the prairie. The ends of the wagon were built higher in the middle, and a high, rounded white canvas roof would cover the wagon, making it a covered wagon. Teams of four to six horses pulled the wagon. Other wagons used by American pioneers were similar to the Conestoga wagon, but smaller and sleeker. These less robust wagons were called prairie schooners because its white roof resembled a ship's sail from a distance. Wagon trains were composed of up to 200 wagons, though trains of 30 or less wagons were more common. Wagon trains had a large number of livestock accompanying them. Upwards of 2,000 cattle and 10,000 sheep joined the pioneers in their westward trek. It took four to six weeks for a family to travel from Independence, Missouri to Oregon along the Oregon Trail in the 1840s. Whether traveling northwest, due west, or southwest, the journey along the Oregon Santa Fe trails was long and very dangerous. Pioneers traveled across immense flat plains, gigantic mountains, and scorching hot deserts to reach their destination. Contrary to what Hollywood would have us believe, attacks by Indians were rare. Often the local Indian tribes welcomed the wagon trains to trade. Although the long westward journey caused numerous deaths and injuries through accidents, weather, and terrain, the biggest danger was disease. Thousands of pioneers died along the way due to disease and lack of medical attention. The long westward journeys of the pioneers in the wagon trains succeeded in delivering hundreds of thousands of Americans to conquer the vast American continent and settle and grow the great nation of the United States of America. Now we're going to play a song written by Mel Harker as a tribute to a friend of his whose son was killed in Afghanistan, July 2010. His name is Staff Sergeant Brian Piercy. There was nothing on the news or in the media about this great hero, so Mel decided to write this song to tell folks what a real hero 
he was. This is David Meza singing Soldier's Song. Cause the left will go right, the right will go left of the law Under one God we're all still learning To keep these freedom fires still burning Keep your left hand on the reins, your right hand ready to draw Keep your eyes on the trail, in the wind there's a soldier's song Brian Piercy was number 1,111 to die in this horrible war and just four weeks away from going home. The English language doesn't have enough words to describe how much these brave soldiers have done for us. Without their sacrifice and their family's sacrifice, we wouldn't be enjoying the freedom we have here in America. It's with heartfelt gratitude that I say thank you. And thank you, Mel Harker and David Meza such a touching song. Now we're going to visit with one of Amazon's best-selling authors, Mr. Lou Bradshaw. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, Arthur Lou Bradshaw. Welcome, Mr. Bradshaw. Thank you, JC. Let's start off with you telling a little bit about yourself, where you were born, so forth. Okay, yeah. Um, I was I was born in Sykeston, Missouri. That's down in the boot heel. It looks like a stick down into Arkansas, like a a high heel boot heel and uh, that's that's all dry or cotton country and uh, 
uh, started school there, and, and uh, most most of my you know folks were uh, country folk, cotton pickers, and uh, uh, we moved. You know, after that was after the war when uh, folks were moving from here to there and trying to find work. Everybody was coming home from from Europe or or the Pacific, and we moved around quite a bit and, and uh, wound up in St. Louis and for a little bit and then over into small town in Illinois. And now I'm back in the hills, back in, in Missouri. Back where you want to be. That's exactly where I want right. to be. I uh, made the choice to uh, get away from, you know, the city, oh, about 35, 38 years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. And, and we're uh, we're down here in the, the Ozarks, uh, live on top of a hill. That's That just makes everything happy. All right, you said your folks was cotton pickers. How old were you when you picked your first cotton? I could, couldn't have been more than six. Yeah, and how old were you when you escaped? <laughs> I, as, as soon as I could walk, I was ready to escape. There I'll you go. That, that picking cotton is a, yeah. uh, you know, young folks today don't understand how tough that, that oh, was to was, do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chopping cotton was probably more tedious. Um, Picking cotton for a little guy wasn't very economic. Uh, cause he, he couldn't do much. But <laughs> no. He could pull weeds and chop uh, chop weeds. I never did like picking cotton. I always uh, pulled it, where you pull pull a whole bowl and everything, yeah. you know. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah. anyway, I got away from it too eventually. Uh, listen, are, are you married? Do you have children? I am. I, I'm married. I've been married for uh, just a little over 50 years. My wife and I have one son and and two grandsons and. They live in the area, so we get to see them off. Okay. That's great. I understand yeah. you made your living as a commercial illustrator, graphic artist. Can you explain to us what that is? Okay. Well, it's not as fancy as it sounds. It means you have to do a lot of grunt work, and but it has to be creative. You have to do a lot of drawing and paintings and whatever the, the customer wants to sell. wants something to, for an advertisement, or in my case, uh, often uh, it was slideshows, you know, the type of thing that, um, promotional work. All right. That was back before the PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff, too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was all done by hand then. Yeah. And you had to, you know, do it the hard way. You, if you made a something that was cuts and straight line, used a lot of hand work as far as trimming, and yeah, things things are much better now yeah. for, and, for a graphic artist. Okay, and how long did you do that? Oh, better part of 40 years. Okay. And you done a lot of traveling with it? Not a whole lot of traveling. Uh, you know, our traveling was done uh, more or less as for our own pleasure. Um, there were times when I, you know, would have to, to go, uh, you know, within a reasonable radius, but not cross country or anything like that. I never made it into the New York Madison Avenue scene, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't want any part of that. I noticed where you you drew little cartoons and, and oh yeah and so forth. Yeah. So yeah, the car- cartoons were my bread and butter as far as light shows and and promotional things. Uh, mm-hmm. I was better with that than I was at a, at a nicely finished piece. Okay. Did you ever consider putting a lot of those cartoons together and, and making a book out of them? 
I have. In fact, I've been running a blog, oh, probably for two years now, and I you know, put a cartoon in there that I've had for, for several years. It goes back to the 70s in some cases. I've been thinking of compiling all that nonsense blog and, and the cartoons into a book. So that's, that's a project in the future. Okay. Uh, when did you decide to write your first novel? I was 66. I always wanted to, but... Uh, as a kid, I was highly dyslectic, and I couldn't tell you right from left, or I, I knew up from down, but uh, <laughs> right for left, and I couldn't read. So writing was more storytelling than, than actual writing. When I was about 66, I had just retired, and I said, you know, I think I could. <laughs> and okay. I, I did A Fine Kettle of Fish, which was a, a humor book more than anything else. After that, I said, I always wanted to write westerns, and we'd travel to the west and uh, spend a lot of time you know, in the hills. And, uh, of course, we're in, in the hills here. This is pretty much cowboy country. Even sure. though, I mean, there's horses everywhere. We both liked it, and, and I decided to you know go ahead and do some research, you know, you said you wrote your first novel at age 66. How old are you yeah. now? I'm 74. Okay, almost 10 years, eight, about eight years then. Yeah, about that, yeah. I tried looking for an agent for that first book for mm-hmm. about four years. Mm-hmm. finally gave up on that. Kendall came along and look out. <laughs> <laughs> this new technology has been a lifesaver for us. Oh, us yeah. Folks that couldn't get anybody to look at our books. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, couldn't pay them to look at them. How did you feel when you held your first published book in your hand and saw your name on it as the author? Oh, I was just tickled to death. But you know what gave me the biggest thrill was getting my first copyright. Mm-hmm. That, to me, said, wow, I've done something, because I couldn't even read till I was full-grown, and to be able to string you know, 130,000 words together and have it make sense, I, just, I said, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What made you choose the Western genre? You touched on it a little bit. If there was anything I wanted to do in life, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a cowboy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, they didn't have any cowboy jobs in cotton country. And, <laughs> and, and then when we wound up in a small town, uh, Illinois, uh, down in southern Illinois, it wasn't nothing like Chicago. But... <laughs> wasn't any jobs there either and uh, my wife decided she didn't want to be living in a bunkhouse said well i'll put that off till later and uh, oh i've read hundreds and hundreds of western books and watched everything john wayne ever did and it's just been something i wanted to do my whole life i guess all guys our age wanted to be a cowboy mainly because of the saturday afternoon matinees yes yes did you go to those matinees not until I was in my early tens, like uh, you know, 10, okay. 11, 12, okay. because my family didn't believe in, I mean, it was a religious problem. Uh, okay. They didn't, you know, you couldn't go to the movies. I never saw a movie until oh, maybe I was 10 or 11 years old. You mentioned earlier that you couldn't get an agent to look at your books, and, and you're right. self-published. Can you tell us how that made you feel? Uh, the agents, uh, I mean, if they would even return uh, <laughs> self-addressed stamped envelope uh, you know if they would even acknowledge that they got it was you know that was something but uh, most of them wouldn't even bother they just trash canned it i'm so glad that we have this new technology where yes. we can do what we're doing because we were basically putting our book in the hands of one individual to say That's whether right. it's good or bad 
That's right. And now we've got, we got the whole world to That's look right. at it and tell us that. Yeah. Now I, I get emails from agents, and I just delete them. <laughs> they, they, they want <laughs> you a, now, don't they? It's a small victory, but it's yes. a victory. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, uh, I counted 10 books on Amazon right now. Is there a number 11 in the near future? Uh, actually, there are 12 uh, on there now. Oh, okay. Uh, there's two, I think, on the other, next page. One of them is uh, that first book that wasn't a, a Western. But, yeah, there's, um, I just finished number 13. Okay, great. How much research? You mentioned research earlier. How much research goes into your stories? An awful lot, especially one like Rubio, which is uh, about a, a Navajo. I had to dig, 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 you know, and so that you get the right words and the right feel and uh, where they lived, you know, what they ate. Thank God for the Internet, because it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of yeah. that. So you and Google are pretty pretty well uh, oh, together, aren't you? <laughs> I couldn't do it without Google, I'll tell you what. Oh, no. All right. But, and the same with the Westerns. I study the guns. And, uh, uh-huh. In fact, I've got a Navy Colt and a Peacemaker hanging over my head here. Oh, boy. So whenever I get to the point where I'm, I may get stuck in a line or something and I can't figure out where to go, I just pull one of those down and shoot a couple of bad guys and... Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. To me. That's my next question. Do you use an outline, or do you, do you just let your characters tell you where to go? No, I'm I'm what they call a pantser. Mm-hmm. I fly by the seat of my pants. I tried first couple with outlines and found that I I didn't follow them. You know, I just <laughs> I like not knowing how the thing's going to end. Yeah. I know how it's going to start and how I want it to end, but how it actually ends uh, is often mystery until it happens. Yeah, and isn't that so exciting? To it do it really that way, it, it's it excites me so much. I, yeah. in fact, I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know how you feel. Uh, okay, uh, how do you come up with the titles and the names for your characters, the titles of the books? Uh, often, the title I have is already in my head when the book starts. I put a lot of Hispanics in there. If you sit down and watch one major league baseball game, you got a warehouse of names mm, to okay. from. I have a Spanish-American or Spanish-English dictionary on my Kindle that right. when I'm writing, it's sitting right there. So I just punch in the okay. word I want, and I have the definition for it. I've been accused of my books being too short. I see some of your books are about the same size. Has anybody ever accused of, of, of no, being too short? No, I, uh, I try to keep them at 55, or 50 to 55,000 words. Okay, and how many pages is that? About 110 pages, uh, but that single space goes back to the old days of the old style of printing where um, they had to make the books and they had to fit into a certain category. And 150, 155,000 words made a good little book, made a good paperback. Uh-huh. So I didn't look at all of your books for how well they're selling, but the ones I did look at are all under 100 on the Kindle bestseller list. I've had fantastic luck. <laughs> Everyone has sold well with the exception of my first. That's usually the way it is. The first yeah. one sometimes doesn't yeah. make it. Are your stories standalone stories, or are they a series? Yeah. They stand alone in the sense that my three main characters that I rely on, Ben Blue, Kane, and now J.L. Tate, they have appeared before, and they have a, a lifestyle, but, but one doesn't lead into the other. How does it make you feel to have the readers accepting you this way? 
it makes an old man just <laughs> happy. How wonderful is it? Yeah, it's it something is. that I couldn't have planned this. Yeah, it's a great feeling. Well, listen, this, this is a, a, a tough question. Have you ever gotten a bad review, and how did it make you feel if you did get one? I had a guy uh, sent me, he, I got the review, and I um, I think the worst one I had was he said he wasn't going to read any more uh, Ben Blue stories because they were becoming predictable. <laughs> and uh, he you know, gave me a, uh, I think three stars. It wasn't really a, it wasn't a one star or anything like that. Yeah. I immediately did everything I could to keep Ben Blue from being predictable. Yes. What advice would you give to a person that wants to be an author? I would tell that person not to give up, and that the first book sells the second book. The second book sells everything from then on. Mm-hmm. Keep writing. If, if you your first book doesn't do anything. You know, write another one. You know, I had my first two books out on Kindle for eight months and made a total of $21. And the third book just blew everything away. Mm-hmm. It just started. I noticed that one of them, I, I believe I saw it one time, hit number one in the Kindle bestsellers. Which one was that? Blue Norther, I think, was the first one that hit. Okay. The Kane series of all hit number one. Mm-hmm. And J.L. Tate may have been right. I don't look at them. Okay. Uh, it makes me nervous. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I have uh, have friends who will post it on. You know, sure. Send, send me the information. I'm having too much fun writing. There you I'm go. Worried about the business part of it, but it's been a really nice ride. It's mm-hmm. been a fun ride. You say you're self-published and and you don't like the business side of it. Who does your publicity for you? The most I do in publicity. And you see most of it is in Facebook. I have an author page. I do a blog, a daily uh, nonsense, just things that, that have crossed my mind. Okay. In fact, I call it Daily Dose of Nonsense. You draw your own covers, I see. Yes. Do you try to match your covers with the characters in the story? Yes. The covers show the characters as I saw them. That's one of the gifts that I guess God has given me is, is to have an imagination where mm-hmm. I can visualize something. I can actually see it as well as think it. You say you get a lot of email. What do your readers want to know about Lou Bradshaw? Mostly they want to know when the next book's coming out. <laughs> okay. You mentioned a blog a while ago. Uh, can you give us the address of the blog? www.blogspot.loubradshaw. You're on Facebook. I'm on Facebook, and I have a, a Lou Bradshaw artist author page. Oh, do you mind giving out your email address? Not at all. Okay. LouBradshaw7 at gmail.com. We want to thank you, Lou, for being our guest today on the Wild West Showdown. And I want to give you a special invitation from the old cowboy to mm-hmm. come back and visit with us anytime you want to. I would love that. Okay. I would love that. All right. We'll talk yeah, to you this, later then. This, is, this has been almost totally painless. <laughs> okay. Well, we do our best. All right. Thanks, JC. You bet. Folks are always asking me where I get my ideas for my stories and poems and songs. Let me give you an example. Not long ago, I read these three words on Facebook. Give me hope. Those three words, give me hope. This is what I got from those three words. He was sitting astride Gloria's horse, feeling tired and wore out from the long ride from Branson, Colorado. He turned his eyes skyward and uttered some words. Lord, give me a reason to go on and to find hope. He lowered his head and saw coming over the small rise ahead of him 
a rider on a paint horse. As they drew closer, he noticed the rider was a female, and for what he could see, a very pretty one. He sat a little taller in the saddle and waited. She reined up and stopped about five feet from him. Howdy, stranger, she said, flashing a pearly white smile. My name's Hope. Well, this isn't exactly the hope I was asking for, he thought to himself. But then again, maybe it's the hope I need. How about that now? You know, ideals come from all aspects of life. Perhaps a person you see at Walmarts, or a song on the radio. Maybe a couple of words you read in a book. Ideals are out there, folks. You just have to be aware and tune in to them. I know I sound like a broken record at times telling you that you have the same thing that I have. You just have to let it loose and enjoy. Why don't you send me an email, jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Let me know that you've released that passion. You've released that desire and you've started writing things down. You started writing down your thoughts. You started writing down your ideals. I want to hear from you. jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. We want to give a special thanks to Red Jenkins for his song, and a very special thanks goes to David Meza for singing that touching song that Mel Harker penned. And we want to say thank you to Arthur Lou Bradshaw for being our special guest today. You can get in touch with all these guys on Facebook and on YouTube. Now, I wouldn't be doing you right if I didn't invite you to be part of the Wild West Showdown. This show is probably one of the only shows that you don't have to audition for. All you got to do is let us know what it is you want to share, and we'll make it happen. Send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Let us know what talent you have and that you want to share that talent on the show. Now gather around for some good old cowboy wisdom. The biggest troublemaker you'll probably ever have to deal with watches you shave his face in the mirror every morning. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.